Hey now, welcome to the dirty side of the track, America's leading Formula One podcast. I'm Brian, that's Rob. We are so excited that summer break is coming to an end, and one week from today, we'll be racing again. Are you as excited as I am, Rob? Oh, I am. We are. It's 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 almost done. We've almost uh, made it through the summer break, and we've got a preview today, which just feels like I'd even forgotten how we do race previews because <laughs> it's like, what do we do? Um, so yes, really looking forward to it. Um, we've got a bit of a bumper crop of like stuff today, really, haven't we? We've got like the news and yeah. social kind of yielded quite a lot this week. You've gone absolutely mad. The video vault is basically bulging at the seams. I'm surprised the door hasn't popped up <laughs> with the amount of content you found. Uh, then we're going to do a, uh, as we head back into the second season, we're going to remind everybody of the um, stats to date. We've got a, like a mid-season super stat edition from yourself there, Brian. And then... It's a handvolt preview. Race preview. Rowie Keek, <laughs> I am so excited that we are back. Um, I, I'm i one of those people where, like, you know the summer break happens and you know how long it is and you kind of plan around it. And I took a little time away this last week. So thanks to everyone who was nice to Rob on Twitter when he took over the machine. Uh, or X, as it's called, I guess. And so it feels, though, so good to look forward to a race. I cannot wait to wake up next weekend to a race Sunday morning. Like, that is the tradition that I have come to love over the years, and I've missed that so very much. But, Rob, you want to kick us off some news? Yeah, and it's it's all over the map this week. We've got some serious stuff. We've got some banter. We've got some rumor mill stuff. Um, I'm not sure enough rumor mill for the helicopter sound effect, but we'll see. <laughs> um, so, first thing, this is in no particular order. It's almost as it kind of came into our uh, field of vision this week. Zach Brown says that if there were two Sergios at Red Bull, the title fight would be wide open. Now, part of that at first, it, it got served up, I think, quite clickbaity because right. it's a, quite a big hit on Sergio, really. But actually, as I kind of dug into it, it's kind of like, you know, how much is Max taking what is an amazing car and then taking his skill and just being like an unbeatable partnership? Perfect blend of man and machine. Take him out of the equation and put another Sergio-esque type driver in there. And he's saying, well... We are beating Sergio. Quite a lot of the teams are beating Sergio. So the regs have closed things up. We've just got this anomaly of an amazing combination of driver and car over there. If you shut your eyes to that, do the Austin Powers at the end of the film in the after credits, ignore me doing this. Then <laughs> um, he's kind of right. What did you make of it? I actually think he's right. I mean, how many times have we made Checo our pits? driver yeah. even when he comes through the field on a sunday but he messed it up on quali or he you know dropped it in the sprint race or he, you know there were five qualies in a row where he didn't make it to q3 and max was pole so yeah i i, I as much as zach brown can get me kind of riled up he seems like a little bit like a used car salesman and i'm using that in the derogatory way at times his hair slicked back and slaps the roof what can i do to get you in this pontiac today um i think he's probably right don't you? I think he probably, yeah. I, I think I think Max is so far clear of the field that then when you couple him with the great car, it's just inevitable what's happening right now. And he's just brilliant. And there is quite a drop off for Sergio. And, and again, I don't even think, I mean, it'd be interesting if it wasn't Sergio, if it was someone of a capability of you know, a Lewis or an Alonso was in that Red Bull, they'd probably be clear of the field as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it kind of, it's not going to change anything. It's not no. like the FIA or Formula One are going, oh, what a great idea. Let's, uh, Max, take the rest of the season off. Let's clone, uh, we want some excitement. Checo and we're going to put him in, in both cars. I'll just no. bring DeVries back and put him in the car. Oh, um, oh, dear. Sorry. Right. Now the pendulum swings to the other end of the silly spectrum. Uh, Massa, 
well, I think I've written this wrong. I've said it's starting legal action. I, I dug into a bit more. I think it's the pre-legal action, sending a letter, fight, pre-filing or whatever it is. But anyway, 2008 Crashgate. We covered it a while back because this came up and we both it called did. it a nothing burger. But we it's thought it was back. stupid. I still yeah. think it's dumb. Same here. Um, I don't understand... I don't understand what he's going to go after because I think, I think, and I could be wrong, I think the regs kind of say that, you know, what should happen would be that Renault and Alonso, the team, would be disqualified from the results. And if that happens, well, guess what? He still doesn't win the title because it wasn't those... He retired from that race when the fuel... Didn't he mess up? I don't know if he retired or he, he, he finished way down because on one of the pit stops, he pulled away and he still had his fuel hose attached and went towing his fuel hose down the pit lane and that completely ruined his race. So... I don't know. I think they must be going after the grounds that they think they could get the whole race discounted for that season. And then if you take those points away, then Massa becomes champion. But oh my God, is that a reach? 15 years later, man, in my <laughs> mind, the beauty, the beauty of sport is that it's adjudicated on the court, field, pitch, whatever you want to call it, track. You know, you don't do it in court 15 years later. It just, I don't know. Uh, you know what? Did he get a little bit hosed? Yeah. Welcome to real life. And so moving on. Speaking of people who got hosed, let's talk about the W Series for a second. Rob and I are obviously very excited about the Academy. We've talked about it. We have favorite drivers. Um, but let's go back in time for a little bit to the W Series. And we, we actually were covering it last year when they ran out of uh, capital and had to end the, end the series early. Uh, and Jamie Chadwick obviously dominated. Well, now, as they're, as they're going through bankruptcy or administration or whatever we're calling it here now, they're finding out the debtors to whom the W Series owes money. And number one is Formula One, uh, which is about one and a half million uh, pounds. However, number two and number three on the list are Whisper and Velocity Experience, which are owed about 700,000 pounds and about a million pounds. And if you put them together, it's bigger than the F1 liability. And both of those companies are uh, started, founded, and part-owned by David Coulthard. Mm. What is that? And I know we, so for the, we mentioned the Discord a couple of times. It's in the show notes on the platform you're listening to. So check it out if you want to join us. Uh, it's also on our website, www.dirtysideofthetrack.com. Um, but we were talking about this and doesn't that seem kind of, I don't know, conflict of interest, a little bit double dealing where he's now sending himself all this money and he's the main debtor of, I mean, I, I have to sign a conflict of interest statement at my job, and I'm not sending my own private company's money as customers. It just feels a little bit crazy to me. I don't know. Did, was, am I making something out of nothing here? Or? I don't know. It feels like one of those, like, has all the information come to light? Because on face yeah, value, from what you've got here, it's like, this seems to stink a little bit, but... Surely DC and his big jaw couldn't uh, get into that much trouble, surely, right? It's... Let's hope. Let's hope there's a lot more info that we know about. And then on a great note, on one of my favorite notes of the week, Jenny Gao, who's covered F1 for a long time, and, and as a lot of you may know, in the offseason had a stroke and has been away from Formula One as she recovers. She announced just, I think, like we're recording this on Sunday proper like we normally do. This was just a day or so ago. But she's going to be returning to the Dutch GP, uh, it sounds as though she'll be back on the radio, and I think that's tremendous. And she said, "Please, you know, give me a, a little break, a little, a little space. I'm still a work in progress. I, you know, more power to her. And uh, I think this is my favorite story of the week. And I hope she continues to f make those steps she wants and gets to where she wants to be. But that is that is awesome. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Wow, 
By the way, did you realize that all the teams are getting together and are already comparing um, the results of their engines for 2026 already? <laughs> because they well, must be. Because This, this is a rumor help... mill. Do you need the chopper for a minute, Rob? Oh, yeah, yeah, go on. Oh, I, I've never bit. been in the room. I've never been above the rumor mill. Yay! Rob reporting above the rumor mill. Right. Helmut Marco says that Red Bull's 2026 engine is miles ahead of Ferrari and Audi. His exact quote was, we are miles ahead of Audi, we are miles ahead of Ferrari, and Mercedes is roughly on the same level. And then he goes on to say some details of what they will have by when. But I'm like, we barely seem to be able to see that the teams really understand each other's flaws when we're like six races <laughs> into a season. Here we are, and he's already able to say, in 2026, is this just them throwing, because there's all this big rumour that um, Red Bull have been trying to kind of uh, change some of the regs for 2026 because they're worried that their brand new engine manufacturer and they're not really going to have anything ready in time. So this feels like I'm going to throw some uh, distraction technique over there to go, oh, yeah, we're amazing. Oh, yeah, we are so far ahead, it's untrue. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know, to be honest, where I found this quote. It wasn't like the brightest, lightest part of the Internet. It was a little dark and shady, if you will. But uh, And I just wanted to like this because it's the Red Bull Ford powertrain 2026. So we got Ford with their new Mustang just announced. I don't know if you saw this. For in, that's coming out in like twenty twenty five, three hundred thousand dollars. Isn't that an electric one though? Good love. That's a lot of money for a Mustang. But, but it's uh, an electric Mustang, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be on par, uh, por, suppo supposedly, with Ferraris and, and Lamborghinis. Uh, we'll I know, and I know, and I know. This goes in the face of sustainability. But what I want to see is F one. Uh, the technology in F one puts forward amazing sustainable fuel, so that things like Mustangs can still run loud and proud on fuel which is sustainable. I don't you know, necessarily want to burn the planet, but the idea of an electric Mustang just feels wrong. I'd, I mean, if, if I had my druthers, and I should, I'd love to see, like you said, find sustainability everywhere else and then bring back the V10s. <laughs> just do everything you can yeah, you, just so you could run the v10s please you, i mean if, if they can get the technology to a state where it, it could be properly sustainable fuel then why not because it doesn't matter anymore right yeah exactly so, yeah. yeah um one more kind of downer of a story just i was gonna let this one go we rob and i normally pass on things like this but there were a, there was a line at the bottom i gotta hit so williams has a little situation going on in court. Claudia Schwartz, a former marketing executive of Williams, launched a humongous lawsuit in the U.S. over claims that she was forced out of the team. I'm not going to go into the reasons necessarily. It's, again, a little salacious. Uh, Williams has countersued, claiming she used company credit card for luxury expenses of her own. And then at the bottom, former team principal... And now, this is from the author, not a quote. Former team principal Yost Capito's role remains unclear in this, but it's likely, according to this person who I can't even quote because I cut them off, I'm sorry, uh, likely to be what caused his exit at the end of 22. Now, he did leave kind of fast, and I was sort yeah. of surprised. So that's the only reason. I'm not reading any of the other crazy things in here that are crazy. I'm just saying, I wonder, there's a little bit of smoke. A little bit, not too much. We'll keep our eyes peeled here on the dirty side on the... Uh, <laughs> on the smoke from this story and report back if there's anything. But let's assume it's nothing as a group, all the dirty siders, until we come back with more. However, there's enough smoke to talk about it. And then, I got to say this real quick. So social stuff. This was one of my favorite pieces. So many drivers on so many vacations, having so much fun on holiday, doing their thing. Charles Leclerc, my guy, puts a picture of his paddleboard out there, of him pulling his paddleboard, and he says... And he's wearing a life jacket, 
and it is the world's smallest life jacket. It is a life jacket made for a Children. 10-year-old, at least. <laughs> and he's got it strapped because he wants to be, you know, Johnny Good Guy in the thing. And the first comment is his. And he goes, yes, the life jacket is way too small. <laughs> it is so small. What is he doing? I, just take it off, man. Just No one's going to care. Just You're on shore. You're in knee-deep water. Take off the world's smallest life jacket. I don't know why this tickled me so much. But this is something stupid I, I, I... like I would do. <laughs> Oh, man. And then we had Valtteri is over in the States doing his uh, gravel bike riding. And um, there's been lots of serious uh, pictures and videos of him training. And it's all kind of in getting in the zone. And then we were treated, I think on Friday, uh, to Valtteri was taking part in a hill challenge where he was dressed as <laughs> Duffman. If you know the Duff beer from The Simpsons, then he was dressed as Duffman, um, won the event apparently, and uh, won beers for all of his teammates. Amazing. Which was putting, which was putting him very, very, very high up on the super cool meter. Until what did, what did you find, Brian? He posted on Instagram a picture of pizza with pineapple on it, and he wrote pineapple on pizza. And no, you cannot do this. I know. I know he's a friend of the show, and you're always welcome back, Valtteri. You can come on whenever you like. Uh, we can talk about whatever you like, uh, and just in case anyone's never heard. This is Valtteri Bottas, and you're listening to the dirty side of the track. And I eat pineapple on my pizza. What? No, please, no. And you and know just what? We go to... I... Yeah, go ahead, Rob. Oh, go on. I was no, going to no. say, I'm sure the listeners, I'm sure everybody listening has an opinion on pineapple on pizza. And so what I'd like you to do right now is if you agree that that's a, a disgusting thing to put pineapple on pizza, just pump your fist quietly, whatever you are, in your lab, in your truck, in your, in your commute, and say, yeah, dirty side. But if you like pineapple on pizza, uh, just send Rob an email and explain why. Oh, thanks. Before we go to the last one, I did grab one that I didn't paste in here, which is, um, do you see the one of Max floating out on yes. uh, the ocean just on like like a, like a raft, right? The memes that went round that then put that as being um, the end of Titanic, where you've just got... <laughs> I haven't seen that. It is, it is like there's no room for Jack and Jack just kind of drifts away. They got Max on there and they just got all the other drivers. There's no one, no room for anyone else on this raft. And you got all the other drivers frozen and just like receding into the water. That was, that, that made me laugh a lot, actually. I have one more as well before we go to the videos. It is a video. I don't understand this. So if anyone can explain this to us, hit us at F1 Dirty Side on Twitter or X. I'm never going to call it X. Of music video called Try Me by Karan Ajula. It's a Punjabi song. It has, in two days, has amassed 6.9 million v views. Both Valtteri and Joe are in this. And the dude singing it, Karan's, he's in, Karan's in a full Alfa Romeo steak outfit, and they have clips of the F1 car in the music video. So this has got to be some kind of like super collab or something, because there's no way you get that kind of permission without the team saying yes. And it is an interesting video. I don't understand any of the words. My l limited Punjabi skills are good morning and hello. Um, Basmajama, and I forgot the last one already. Um, so, so, you so can't even quote two, two then. Um, uh, so I, I saw this video and I'm like, wow, I just, and the fine, it's a good song. It's kind of like a Punjabi hip hop. I liked it. Um, the question I don't, don't understand is the tie between steak alfa romeo and the singer and the, the guys were in the video like driving around in the background i thought it was great like if you can make a video like that we should make a dirt side video and have valtteri and joe drive around the background 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. Yeah, save your breath for that one. And then some sad news. We're going to close the news and social aspects before the videos. The famous Imola cat, Formulino, that may have once cursed Vettel and brought Hamilton good luck, has reportedly passed away. Sam Cooper at Planet F1 reporting on some sad news. Um, I've actually heard of the Imola cat. Sometimes I, I see these things, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. I do know, I've heard of the Imola cat and the curse with which the cat brings. Uh, so I was, I was, you know, it's a bummer to hear about the cat's passing, but I always saw the picture. He would always, uh, he or she would always show up in the background of like things at the track and just kind of sit there. Like I own the place literally. And it was always funny yep, to me. I know. So, no more Formulino. All right, Rob, are you ready for a bumper crop of videos? You're going to have to hit this hard and fast, I think. So let's crack open the door. All right, we have quite a few things we want to highlight here today. Uh, I'm just going to hit some of the, the positives. First of all, top 10 overtakes of 2023 so far on the F1 channel. Five minutes, pretty good. Brought back a lot of good memories for the season. If you're taking this week to kind of get back acclimated, worth a watch. The best battles of 2023 so far, it's its cousin from before. Uh, F1 channel, eight minutes, also worth a watch. It's fun, man. I was watching some of these things. The overtakes, the Esteban one at Spa, when he kind of came around after the Kemmel straight, kind of came around the outside there, and then went yeah. through the chicane ahead. I'm like, oh my God, that is, we called it the onions move. I think we called it at the time. That just, onions. Um, then the F1 channel had one that was not as great. Best of the unofficial Max Verstappen podcast so far, a.k.a. the cooldown room. So the cooldown room, everyone has made this joke on social, and I saw it on Reddit first. It's the Max Verstappen podcast. He invites two other guests, and he hosts in the cooldown room. However, on Reddit, they Photoshop in a table and microphones yes. and the whole deal, and it's well done. The F1 is basically just showing cooldown room highlights. Nothing wrong yeah. with that, but it wasn't no, what this it said. One, I, I, I did actually see this one. I didn't stay for the whole five minutes. It, I... It, because literally, once it wasn't the Reddit one well done, it felt like they were just trying to dine out on the joke and just go, yes. we're going to put zero effort in and just put a whole bunch of cooldown room stuff. Okay. Exactly. Don't call it the Max Verstappen podcast. It's just cooldown room highlights. Um, but as always, I look where other people don't, and I have a handful this week. McLaren Racing's Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri play fact or fish, like P-H-I-S-H, like fishing, on the dark trace site which is one of their sponsors darktrace does a lot of cyber security nearly five minutes i loved it you should go check it out if you haven't seen it they had some great chemistry here like maybe three weeks ago i made the comment it felt as though it was forced for a lot of the mclaren videos and a lot of people on discord agreed like it wasn't bad it just felt whatever this felt like they were having fun and so uh you can put to bed all those concerns about the mclaren boys not being buddies no rob saying not yet um anyway i enjoyed it did you see this one rob no but i saw one like yesterday the day before of them doing i i just saw an excerpt on an instagram story which was um you know name how many ways of getting to work can you name and like oscar goes oh i think i do uh six and they get, and then lando says seven they put all the way up until lando says nine and then has to name them and it just seemed a little yeah. little forced and then they try and play rock paper scissors to win it and it all just look you, you almost feel like you've got the marketing person in the background going remember to smile smile <laughs> your friends you saw this one the f1 car inside the casino yes. on the oracle red bull racing channel vamos vegas featuring checo and christian horner it's basically the hangover combined with vegas type items i thought it was really well done Who's that quote about challenge? This is on the F1 channel. This is a grill the grit. This is the third episode of the season. It's 10 minutes. I thought this was worth it. Now, once again, let me be abundantly clear. 
as a fan who does not have a camera facing them, it is easy for me to be yelling the answers like, come on, how do you not know who they're talking about? However, they have the cameras in their faces and they don't have as much time to watch internet videos as we do as they're busy being F1 drivers. So I love it. You should go check it out. And one of my last loves is Alex and Logan review the F1 season so far on the Williams Racing Channel. Eight minutes, top notch, must watch. They had fun. Alex and Logan seem to get along. Now this, I mean, again, who doesn't like Alex? I think well, this anyone can get along yeah. with Alex. He's I think like, anyone can get along with Alex, and Alex seems to be doing a really good job of bringing Logan out of his shell a little yeah. bit. And, and then, this is going to be a big reach, but we'll go for it anyway. I just wonder if that's also good uh, teammate skills, that if he can get Logan feeling a little bit less rigid, a bit more kind of part of the team, having fun, can Logan relax a bit more and maybe go after it a little bit more in the second half of the season? Because he's he's not tanked and been awful he's not set the world alight either but i really started to feel in the last few williams videos that have come out that he's feeling a bit more yeah. i don't know like he belongs part That's, of the team sounds a bit weird but yeah yeah because alex is the man like you say i think he is a uh, couple from uh, alpine just worth knowing about wow explain the gram with pierre gasly he goes through instagram photos through his entire instagram history that are picked for him uh, I enjoyed it. There are other drivers that are involved in some, and so you learn about other people, especially Charles Leclerc, who used to tote around a box of broken PlayStation controllers because he'd throw them against the wall. So Charles has a competitive side, apparently. Uh, two hands on the wheel, hot laps with Esteban and Martin Brundle. So this was kind of done a couple different ways. This is the one on the Alpine channel at six minutes. It's from Silverstone. Uh, they joke about track limits. Martin Brundle jokes, Esteban, track limits, track limits. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, like I thought that was really good. There were other cars on track, and there was a Mercedes uh, Mercedes AMG GT that went by them like they weren't moving. Now, they were in an Alpine A110, but I don't know who was driving that Mercedes, if it's only F1 drivers or retired F1 drivers or whatever, but somebody just put the whooping onto Esteban. Now, I recognize an A110 Alpine is not the same as a GT, but I thought that was funny. Um, and then two minutes, the Sauber channel, the Emoji Challenge with Valtteri and Joe, you got to watch for the Valtteri emoji combo when they tried to make Batas, and it's great. So anyway, that I would highlight that. Rob, I got four more. I'll hit quickly. Anything you want to add at this point while I take no, a No, come breath? on. I'm just, I'm just getting ready to shut the door here, but go on. All keep right. going. McLaren channel, Andrea Stella answers the most searched Google questions about him. Team principal, Andrea Stella uh, they said, where are you from? He goes, where am I from? I'm like, he's Italy. He's from Italy. You can hear it. He didn't even answer the question. He's from Italy. But so he has an aerospace engineering degree and a PhD in aerodynamics. He is Dr. Stella from now because he literally is, and we're addressing him inappropriately and incorrectly. The F1 channel, F1 animated the 2023 season so far, two minutes I've watched all of these over Excellent. the years. This is the best one they've ever done. This, this is this is so good. Talk about this it is... because you and I loved it. You loved it. Lee loved it. Others on the Discord loved it. Talk about it, Rob, because it was the um, best two minutes they've ever done. I don't want to spoil while. it, but it's um, it's essentially out of context animation with team radio, really, isn't it? That's the best way I can say it. They take a, what is a very mundane piece of radio, but they come up with a different context that could have in the in the form of an animation, and it's. I don't want to say it without spoiling some of the jokes because I, I love this. I've probably watched it two too. or three times because I, I just too. think I like this genius type of you know, outside the box kind of humor. It's a little bit lollipop, man. It's a little bit like I, I love the bad lip reading uh, NFL stuff. I mean, it's just yeah. uh, it's a different it's type of humor. Notch. So, yeah, they did well. 
And the last two, the C squared, I mentioned this, these two last week that we'd get them. The 2023 C squared challenge, Marshmallow Spaghetti Towers on the Ferrari channel. It's nearly four minutes. Charles and Carlos have to build towers out of raw spaghetti and marshmallows, and they keep breaking things. And Charles is literally the kid from class who cheers for himself. The time. Come on, Charles. Come on. You can do this, Charles. Come on. Like throughout the whole thing. The highlight, and I'm going to spoil it a little, but just go watch it, is when Carlos breaks a piece of spaghetti and he goes, I am stupid. I am stupid. I'm like, oh my God, did that, I mean, like I recoiled. I'm like, what's Charles going to say? And I don't know if they cut it or edited it, but I love that. I, Carlos, you smooth operator, you, you just won me over all over again. And the final one, as I said, I go where no one else goes for you. The Castrol Edge Challenge on the Castrol USA channel. RFK Racing and BWP Alpine F1 go head-to-head in the pits. It's four minutes. It's been out for a week and a half, over 10 days, 584 total views. Not thousands. Wow. 584.0. I was the 584th. The sap man is here for it. It's the Alpine boys, Brad Keselowski and his teammate Chris something or other. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I watched enough NASCAR to know Brad Keselowski very well. I don't know his teammate. They do tire changes. And the average time wins. You can totally skip the video along with the other 4 million people who have watched it. But I'm just telling you, if you have an Alpine thing going and you want to see this, check it out. And now we shall close the door to the world's largest video vault. Rob, season's about halfway done. Have you thought a lot about stats like I have? I mean, I have. I've been thinking if only, if only somebody out there would spend a little bit of time just going over some of like the main key stats of the season so far before we head to Zandvoort because like it's been a break for so long you, you forget all the things that happened but I, I just don't know where we're going to find that someone if I may volunteer I even am going to bring back the special slap house music for this episode oh. Sap stats mid-season 2023. Here we come back to the racing edition. All right. 2022 to 2023. Let's kind of look at what happened summer break to summer break as we start this analysis. Last year, Red Bull had 396 points at the break. Ferrari had 314. This year, Red Bull's leading with 503, so they're still in first. But Ferrari has tumbled to 191 points. They've dropped two spots uh, summer break to summer break. And you can find others. Alpine's down two spots. They were had 93 points in fourth last year. They're sixth with 57. Alfa Romeo had 51 points at the break last year. Now they're in, um, down in ninth with nine points. So they've dropped three spots. But the reason I highlight this is clearly the Aston Martin rocket ship that for the first half of the first half, or as is also known, a quarter, uh, they did an excellent <laughs> job. They were up six spots. They'd had 19 points. 19 at the break last year. This year they have 196. So I know we've been kind of hard on them and might crack and the, the car hasn't kept up with other developments of other teams. Huge jump for Aston Martin. And it's the largest nominal points jump, 177 points higher. Um, and Ferrari has the largest nominal points drop. So sorry, Aston Martin highest gain, 177. Ferrari lowest, biggest drop, 123. However, here's the part that really tickles me. Year over year, the, the third biggest points move is an increase, and it's Red Bull. 107 more points year over year, as I said, 396 to 503. They have the third highest point delta 
from summer break one year to summer break the next. Aston Martin's is an up. We know that. It makes sense. Ferrari's is a down. You know that as a fan. But Red Bull is doing so much better than even last year. The one that really hit me when I looked at these is I was looking at the spread. Like, um, to be what? Alfa Romeo were at 51 in the middle of the pack last year and Alpine are at 57. So that's comparable. But this year now, next up is McLaren 103, which is, and McLaren were 89 last year. So the, there's a, more points that have been spread around because they're all fighting each other, taking points off each other, which now means Mercedes at 247, Red Bull at 503. It's more than double the points. Whereas you look at last year, at least the number started with the same number. 396 <laughs> for Red Bull, 314 for Ferrari. It was still a big delta, but at least it was in the same zip code. It is just insane. It is not even, you're a good point, not even the same zip code, Red Bull to Mercedes in second. Great point. And then I did mention this, but I found some actual math behind it. The first, we had 12 races to start the season. Uh, we have 10 left uh, in the second half, so it's not quite half. Strong but math. So look at this. First six, Aston Martin had 120 points. They had 76 in the last six races. So I kept saying it felt like they came out fast and then petered off. Well, there's the actual proof behind it. 120 of their 196 points were, or 296 points were 196 points. I had it right the first time. Uh, let me try that again. 120 of the 196 points were accumulated in the first six races of the season. The second yep. six, only 76. They had one of the largest drops in terms of points from first six to last six of the of the beginning of the year. Everyone else was pretty much on par, with the exception of McLaren, who had a large jump. So, yeah. yep. interesting to kind of see what comes in the second half. And then, finally, the last thing I'd kind of give from a team perspective on the first half, and I this one, again, maybe it's because I'm a nerd. This tickled my fancy. Do you know how many technical DNFs Red Bull has had this season? Uh, they haven't had a single DNF this season. Correct. <laughs> Technical nor accident. They've all finished. How? So zero, zero engine failures, you know, zero problems from the car, and zero technical DNFs. Who else has that Honda powertrain? Alpha Tauri. How many technical DNFs have they had this season? Zero. Ooh, zero, yeah. So as you look across engine suppliers and you look at the different teams, you'll find Renault's had two and they're the only people running the Renault. You've seen Ferrari with Haas has two. Ferrari has one. I'm just talking technical DNFs at this point. Joe had one for Alfa Romeo. You can look at Mercedes. We've had uh, Williams has had a bunch of problems. Uh, they've had three technical DNFs. Aston Martin had one. McLaren had one. And Mercedes had two. But Red Bull running two teams has had zero technical DNFs. That is something that's, in my mind kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. The only thing missing from this stat, so I do need to send you back into your research lab, <laughs> is I'd be really interested because we've we've said that this really feels this year like we're not seeing many DNFs. So you don't have the 2022 view of this, do you? I do not. Take a sip. Of, take a sip of your coconut answer. That's uh, that's fine. I still do not. So I, I so I don't know if it's. Um, I imagine this is a, a a lot less than last year. Accidents are accidents. You can't really do much about that. That's just kind of in the lap of the gods. But the the technicals was 13. Across the entire grid for the first half of the season, it just feels uh, much lower than last year. But we'll probably find the stat was it was twelve last year, and we'd be like, "Oh, it's only one." <laughs> is. Well, and I did the analysis on on total DNFs and uh, laps not run, but we would have to update that. Uh, when we look at drivers so far, obviously podiums. Let's talk who's been on the podium, who's been near the top. Max has twelve of twelve. Um, I don't know if you guys listening at home are aware of this. He's pretty good this year. 
Um, and then we see Checo, we see Fernando, we see Lewis, we see Charles with three. So, you know what? I'd been so down on Ferrari, I'd forgotten. He had three podiums, it's not terrible. Until back, you, up a, back up a sec. Wait, one second. Until you think Lando okay. has two, and they're all basically in the last couple races. But keep going yeah, back. Go back. True, but, but we've been down on, like, we, like, right at the beginning of this, we said, oh, if there were two Checos in the Red Bull, they'd be rubbish. But who's second on the list for the most podiums this year behind Max? S seven podiums. And Fernando has, what, five? Six. He has six yeah, podiums. five or six, or something like that. So, six. Again, you know, he's not a bad driver and he's he's, he's getting not. the results, but we just keep comparing him to that. Uh, probably we shouldn't. He's is it uncomparable, incomparable, whatever that word is that you should use, <laughs> when, uh, then uh, you shouldn't compare people to Max, Agreed. I don't think. But, uh... I agree. I agree as well. But the, the last note on podium so far is it's nice to see Esteban up there, his Monaco podium, if you remember that, when he really, um, really put something together. He has one. The other driver with one, and I'm sorry like this is a telling stat is george he has one podium how how does lewis have four podiums when last year lewis was washed right when george out qualified him and we'll get into a little bit of qualifying here in a second george i don't think george is acquitting himself super well so far in the first half if i'm being just off the top of my head honest okay couple more things here on individual drivers this one i thought was interesting i'm borrowing this from formula racers um Laps spent outside the top ten so far. The yeah, person I, who I has... mean, you are you are really scraping the barrel for stats now. Oh, is a good one though. Go, give me the stats and then tell me why it matters. <laughs> Fernando Alonso has spent one lap outside of the top ten in the entirety of the season. That is consistency and quality. He may not have a car to always be competing at the top. But he's he doesn't fall out of the top ten. Verstappen, but isn't, but isn't this all a little bit arbitrary? That depending on what your pit stop strategy is, and if you take a pit stop early on in a lot of cars and you lose position, you'll be outside the top ten, but then you'll gain them all back again when they all pit for a few laps, depending on when you pit. And how yeah, it works, but I so agree. exactly so. But this is more than pit stop matter? strategy. This is where no, wait, you qualify, I know, I know. how you race, how long you are if you pit early going for undercuts. Ultimately, it matters where you finish, really, doesn't it? Who cares how many laps you spend outside the top ten? Well, I think you'll notice a correlation here. Alonso 1, Verstappen 7, Hamilton 18. That's a total of 26 total laps for those guys outside of the top 10. The next closest is Carlos Sainz with 33, and then George at 65 and so on. So just you'll always know they'll be battling at the top. And if you actually break it down a little further, F1 underscore charts, Max has spent 567 laps in first, by far the most of anybody in any position. Yeah, the next, this... yeah, go ahead. No, no, this stat, I, I like when we're moving on to this one. Now, this one, to me, is more meaningful than how many you happen to spend outside 10. Well, and it, it kind of is a heat map of each driver and how many laps they've spent in each position. And then kind of, you, it bubbles up the, the heat. The second most uh, you know driver in a spot is Carlos, who has been in fifth more than 100. He's been 199 laps in fifth. So Are we call it the witness protection zone a little bit, right? Because we rarely see, you know, and then George has the highest average above him in sixth in driver standings. He's in eighth, 155 laps most of the time. So you can kind of tell where each driver resides. The thing I found interesting, Rob, is not Max's complete and total domination in first. I mean, again, 567 for Max in one position. Yep. The next yep. is 199. Okay. So that's how much Max has dominated. However, Checo. The most laps he's been in any position is first. 
127 laps in first, 111 in second, but and then a, also a smattering when you, when, beyond that. Yeah, but also when you look at this, he's also he's almost the one with the biggest spread as well because a lot of people have got theirs condensed in like, if I normally finish fifth, then I've got some that I've spent in fourth, <laughs> right. some that I've spent in sixth. And, and so you can see this little heat map. I, I like this graph. It's really good. But Perez has gone and got like a solid line across the top where he's he's dabbled in every position apart from 20th by the looks of things. Yeah. He's, he's spent 18 <laughs> laps in 19th. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you so have to go down. Ocon, Ocon has spent less laps in 19th. I, I know. If you really wanted a graph that in one foul swoop shows Max's domination and Sergio's inconsistency, it's kind of this one. Because it same is. machinery, yet one of them can spend 567 laps at the front. The other one is getting his money's worth and spending some time in every position on the grid. Oh, it's, it's hilarious. Insane. It is. And as I mentioned, the three drivers, Hamilton, Alonso, and Verstappen, they're the only drivers to score points in every Grand Prix this season. Um, which I thought was interesting. And the last kind of individual set of stats is qualifying battle. Rob, you and I have spent a lot of time talking about teammate battles and quali yep. uh, and who comes out on top. And there are three, sorry, excuse me, four drivers who in the 12 races, four drivers who have double-digit qualifying battle wins, meaning 10 or 11 times of the tw 10, 11 or 12 times of the 12 races <laughs> They've won. It's easy for me to say. I, I was going to say, I, that you probably didn't even need to explain what that meant. Yeah, 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 I did. <laughs> there are four, and I was shocked that we had four large disparities like this. One of them, well, two of them make a ton of sense. Alex Albon, 12-0. I don't know if that's a surprise because we no. all think Alex is over, you know, outperforming the car, making it do things it really can't do, and Logan's a rookie. And has had some nice moves and some, you know, gl glimmers of the future. But I just haven't seen it all yet. So I wasn't shocked at a 12-0. Um, I do, I would be shocked if that goes 22-0 for the season. If Logan doesn't yes. find one quality to yep. outdo Alex. Max, 10-2 on Checo. He's one of the other four with double digits on his teammate. Again, not a surprise, especially with Checo's failings for uh, five races in a row to get out, of, to get to Q3. But then... Lando, 10-2 on Oscar. I was a little surprised by I mean, that. another rookie, so... Yeah, rookie, good point. And Oscar feels like he's really coming on as the cars come alive. And, and but... there's and there's one... Oh, no, go on, do the last one, and I'll tell you the one that's missing. Okay, I'm going to do this one, and I need you to give me an answer on this. Fernando, 10-2 yeah. on Lance. Yeah. Lance Stroll, the third best driver on the grid, according to Rob J. Vale in week three. Um... <laughs> and, and when... Um... By the way, when were those two that uh, he beat I, him? I don't know. I don't have that. Beginning that, of the season. Were they? So I'm so grateful that when we go, did that thing with the fifth wheel and I got roasted for my uh, saying that uh, he was the third best driver on the grid, I'm so glad I you sold clarified your stock. it and said, no, clarified it and said, at this time, pretty sure that give it a few races and that won't be the uh, case anymore. And boy, is that not the case anymore. Right. So he went early got and was taking it to Fernando and then has kind of like checked out and gone... Oh, well. <laughs> so those are yeah, the four double terrible. digits. He's been he yeah, and been. the one that's and missing from the double digits, I think, yeah. is Yuki to Nick DeVries. It's 8-2, and if they and then they cut DeVries. Right. I'm telling you, if DeVries had been in for those other two, Yuki takes those, and that would have been another 10-2, I, I, I think. I'm surprised it's 8-2. I'm surprised it's not 10 nothing. Ah, true. Being, being completely honest. and then But Yuki and Danny Rick are 1-1, one, one, just for the record, as, as we look yep. at to finish out Alpha Tauri. And just to close out for anyone's benefit, Charles, 8-4 on Carlos. Lewis, 7-5 on George. The Alpine boys, Pierre and Esteban, tied at six 
Um, it's a good thing they fired Otmar before he figured out how to f- turn that thing around. They're doing well. Why'd they fire him? I don't know. Does I need anything else talking at this point? Apparently not. Nico, 9-3 on KMAG. We've talked about Nico's qualifying and how he's yeah. making himself miss. 9-3, that one was a surprise to me. And the last one, Valtteri, 8-4 on Joe. So Valtteri's doing a great job uh, in a car that often uh, doesn't have enough gas. Oh, did I say that out loud? And so the last thing, and this is really deep dive into nerdery and uh in my mind we'll do this kind of fast uh because this one's so far into this, the nerds this is so nerdish i was looking at this and going if i thought the laps outside the top 10 was a stretch of a stat this one i mean it's i a was stat, looking for a special sound effect but... and i can't find it because this one is so far into the weeds but here we go um what if we took all of the sectors in qualifying every racetrack has three sectors and so now we have 12 races with three sectors each 36 sectors how did the teammates do sector by sector in qualifying we are oh into God. the tall grass my friend um and so i read through this and i'm looking at it and really quite honestly there were only two things i wanted to, to highlight here it actually it smooths out some of the extremes we just talked about before. It's not as extreme with the exception of two things. Alex Albon, 12-0 on Logan. Logan has won some sectors, but it's 32 to four. Wow. 32 sectors to four sectors for Logan. That ain't good. Uh, and then Fernando, 31 to five on Lance. That, in my mind, is wild because Lance somehow still got two, you know, out-qualified Fernando twice but did it on the strength of only having five better sectors over the course of the whole year. So, I imagine the five better sectors were probably in the two times. I'm assuming as well. One was probably all three and one was probably two of the three. That was wild to me. Wild. Can we move on from this one? Done. Um, just a couple quick things on Max. So let's talk a little about Max for a second. Um, he is going to Zandvoort, and we'll talk about that in a second here. Rob will highlight some of what we're looking for the next week. He can win. He'll be his third in a row at Zandvoort. Mark Weber apparently was quoted as saying he wants to see Max win at Zandvoort and equal Sebastian Vettel's nine wins in a row record. The quote is, I think the world would like to see him win his home race. To do the business there would be extraordinary. You should win that one, and then he's equal with Seb. Okay. Um, why don't you just cheer for you know the Yankees and the Cowboys? That's the Lakers and everybody who's got a big name and is good. I mean, I'd like to see someone else win personally. Max is amazing. Um, but he's won, he's led 567 laps so far this year. How about someone else takes a turn? However, his domination is unequaled, and you have to realize how great he is. There's a, a, a stat that says ratio of wins to F1 starts. Max has 175 career starts, 45 wins. That's 25.71%. That puts him above, above Alan Prost at 25.63% of wins and above uh, Senna at 25.47%. Max, with that, is above Prost and Senna in terms of career win percentage. It's those two guys who I think we'd all argue are two of the best of all time. So it's great that he has a dominating car right now, but it's well beyond that. It's well beyond this year. They're better than even last year, as we already highlighted. And the pole conversion, and this one, I'm doing this a little bit for Rob, um, so I'm going to egg you on a little bit here. Max, so far in his career, is 27 poles, 45 wins. Wins from pole, though, 22 of those 27 turned into wins. That's an 81% pole conversion ratio. If you look at active drivers and you look at the conversion ratio, Fernando's next, 64%, 14 wins out of 22 poles. Lewis, 59%, 
third place in active drivers. He has 61 wins from pole of his 104 poles. And then you go down the list to a bunch of people who have few poles. And you go down and you go down and you go to Charles. My guy in the tiny life jacket. 20 poles. He's won four times from pole. That's a 20% conversion ratio. That's I know. Not it sucks. good. What is that? Is it just the race pace doesn't exist? Like we've done this in that question before and we've never answered it. Why is that so bad? Is it because he's up it's against not even, Max? It's not, even, it's not even, no, it's not even race pace. He's, I mean, like last year, he just failed to convert ones when he had the machinery to win it. He just, I keep saying it. I don't think he's the best driver at Ferrari, but uh, oh, man, he seems to have the, the more bankable names. So we've they go behind him a lot more. He's, he's His stock is falling with me at the moment. And I think Ferrari need to sort it out as to who they're really going to put their chips behind as their number one driver because it just yeah it's all kind of drifting over at ferrari at the moment interesting anywho anywho let's um grand slams grand slams yeah, just a quick um, note max got a grand slam earlier this year which i predicted the day before i tried to do it again the next week and screwed it up um i was a little bit surprised you know max has three and the spanish grand prix this year being his third which, again, uh, some of us predicted the day before. Uh, Jim Clark, eight. Lewis Hamilton, six. Shumi and Ascari at five. Seb, Nigel, Jackie Stewart, and Senna at four. Max and PK, his girlfriend's dad, uh, both at three. And so I, there aren't that many Grand Slams. I'm surprised. In, in his total domination, I'm surprised he doesn't have more. Well, it's more than I actually thought. I, I thought this was a rarer thing in F1 than yeah. it really is because you've just read out 14 drivers that have got Grand Slams. But it's not 14, is it? Because as the note says, that's 14 that have got multiple Grand Slams. Multiples. There's another 12 drivers that have got singles. So there's 26 drivers that have done the Grand Slam. Um, that just hit me as... Like when we've talked about it before, I thought it was a much kind of more uh, exclusive club. But I know there's been a hefty number of drivers down the years, and it's still an amazing achievement. It just that just hit me that there's more that have done it than I actually thought had. Yeah. Again, doesn't. doesn't I'm just surprised that Max hasn't had more. So here's the question for you and for everybody: Will Max get a Grand Slam in the last ten races of the year? Mm, And again, just to define it, it's pole position. You win the race, you have the fastest lap, but you also lead every lap. That, and that's the one that I think with yeah, all the, the other cars strategies. bringing the upgrade, uh, yeah, with, and getting the upgrades coming for the other cars, they're not, I don't know that they're going to disappear into the distance as much. And I I know it will be a, a lot they disappear into the distance, but it has to be a pit stop in your pocket to be able to pull off the Grand Slam. You've got to, you know, as soon as you pit and someone takes the lead from behind you, that's it, Grand Slam gone. So I don't know that he'll be able to get that lead on every single race of the season to come, so... Well, with that yeah. bumper crop of sap stats, unless you have one, Rob, I'm going to close sap stats for the first time ever with the closing music. It was so big. You all right with that? Go on, man. <laughs> we have closed the mid-season sap stats. Um, one thing quickly about fantasy. And first off, uh, much mistaken. If you're listening, uh, we said this two weeks ago, you won the first half. You are entitled to a T-shirt sir or madam. So please reach out to us, dirtysideofthetrack at gmail.com. Much mistaken uh, in first place in the first half. I look forward to the second half of fantasy. We are launching something called the Survivor, the F1 Survivor. It'll be plugged all over the Twitter sphere starting Monday. And what this is, is basically you pick two drivers. They both have to finish the race so that it's a valid uh, comparison. Take it easy, Rob. 
And so one will win and one will lose. You tell me who's going to win. You tell me who's going to lose. And if you're right, you move on to the next race. However, you cannot reuse a driver. So once you've used them, they're out of your selection pool and you have to move on to two new drivers. There are 10 races left. You'll need a total of 20 drivers, two for each race. It just so happens there are 10 teams with two drivers each. So the math is chef's kiss perfection. We can make it all the way through Abu Dhabi. So what we need to do and how we're going to do this, this is for Grand Prix only, not, not for sprints. I need your picks as before quali starts because when quali's done, you'll have a more informed decision. And we're trying to do this based on not waiting the minute before the race starts. So go to the Discord. Join us on the Discord server. There's a section for the F1 Survivor game. I will be giving updates there. You can send me direct messages on Discord with your picks as long as they're in by Quali, and I will manage the, uh, the, the effort. If you don't want to join the Discord because it's too technologically uh, intense for you, feel free to email us, dirtysideofthetrack at gmail.com. Put the word survivor in there with your, your team name, your name, whatever, some kind of identifier. And I will manage these things and we will talk about them on a week-to-week -week basis. The winner gets a t-shirt. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think it's, uh, it's going to throw up some little kind of fun little strategies. Like, do you, do you start top of the shop to the worst and then limit it all the way down so that you've got like the right. ninth and tenth best drivers by the last race? Or do you try to kind of keep some... Uh, something in your back pocket for later i think it will come down to a race on races to which track makes which sense to pick which drivers so i'm looking forward to it it's gonna be I fun too. I'm look, also I'm gonna... looking forward to your head exploding running the spreadsheet but that's gonna oh, be cool as well great. it'll be great i just <laughs> like i'm also trying to figure out like do you plan in advance do you come up with like the first four or five kind of like where you think you have a good spread from who you think is going to win to who you think they'll beat um and so you, do you have those set up and do you kind of go through the standings like, yeah, all right, Max on Charles. And then do you pick the next one, Sergio on, you know, Carlos and so forth and kind of go through the order and then hope you don't get to the midfield and have what, you know, because now that spread is a little, a little bit tighter. So there's a lot of ways I, to do I, this. I think that's kind of what I just said, but you know, that's, that's all good. It's well, you're yeah, excited I go as Max well. on Logan, if I want to guarantee week one. Well, could you, because we're heading to Zanvil and uh, yes. So um race week will be upon us again i get to do the little race week post i'm looking forward to it get to break my crayons out and do another one of those um it's been on the calendar um for a long time however me personally i've i know of it about as much as probably a lot of people do listening which is the last two years because it started off in 1950 it went all the way through with a couple of emissions through to 85 and then it was cut from the calendar so i was 10 in 85 i hadn't really started getting into f1 so I, i've never really experienced Zanvorp. Uh, like a lot of older fans will have done. Uh, it's up on the north coast uh, of the Netherlands, which is where we get lots of sand, which then suddenly hit me that why have I never made this dad joke before that we should call it Sandfort? Um, well, I'm willing to bet Zandvoort is something sand in that. But... It, it might well be. You're the Dutch one here. You should be able to speak Dutch. <laughs> I am, and I don't, I should, my card should be rescinded for not knowing uh 50 and 51 were the first two ones but they were run as these legendary non-championship races that we still don't understand i even asked the question on matt bishop put a tweet out about a non-championship race and i kind of or linked to it and i kind of piled in and said hey matt why did they have non-championship races but as of recording it's a complete blank there he, he wrote back he goes it's longer than a tweet for me to answer this i'm like thanks matt <laughs> i don't think he did did he he did um okay maybe he replied to someone else i didn't see i got a reply well uh, anyway, so 
1971 was the last race of the last uh, layout before all the drivers refused to race it in 72 because they said it was too dangerous. Uh, so in the year off, they went and they were they got all their building tools out and they modified it and they put barriers everywhere and tried to keep the sand dunes off the track. Um, and, you know, we're all very, very happy uh, about going forward. Um, so 73 came uh, along and the organizers were like, this is going to be the best Grand Prix we've ever run here. It's going to be fantastic. But I hadn't even heard of this. And I went back to see if we covered it last year, which we didn't when we did uh, preview. But it's got a bit of a gruesome uh, history, the 73 uh, race. Did you had you looked at this before? Did you know no, about this? I did not know this. And I knew about as much about Zandvoort as you did. It came back on the calendar a couple of years ago and everyone celebrated. And I didn't remember any of these previous races before 85 so no yeah so um on the eighth lap uh, of the race uh, britain's roger williamson um crashed heavily and his car caught fire um he was in, in blah, 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 blah. he was uninjured in the crash but obviously the car was uh, on fire and he couldn't get himself out so countryman david purley stopped and crossed the track to try to get him out of the burning march car uh, but he couldn't turn the car upright um there seemed to be lots and lots of time uh to to get to him but yes the one little oversight they had is marshals didn't have a uh, flame retardant overall so they couldn't come and help him because they couldn't get close enough because it was too hot um race control assumed it was pearly's car that had crashed and he'd escaped so when they saw him running away they thought he'd got out of the car fine so they didn't everything just carried on driving apparently at full speed pearly's trying to wave down other cars to get him uh, to get them to help him out but that nobody stopped because they mm. just assumed he'd actually got out of the car and uh he wasn't able to save the life of williamson who didn't pass away from burns but from basically suffocating in the car it's, it's horrendous horrible it's absolutely yeah, I didn't realize Danforth had that kind of uh, I didn't know that dark history there. Wow. Um, Hunt and Lauda dominate the rest of the 70s. Andretti went and got a win in 78. Uh, Australian uh, Alan Jones and then PK of Brazil. So this is a little, this is a nerdy sap stat, really, that I found is that so you had four years in a row that four different nationalities won at Zandvoort and then that flipped and we had four in a row from France. So 81 through 84 was Prost, Peroni, Arnoux and then Prost again. So... You know, wow. really means nothing, but uh, silly little, <laughs> silly little sap snap they found there. And then the final race, uh, Nicky Lauda won it in 85. Uh, the company that owned the circuit went bust. It got sold off and they thought it was all going to be demolished and turned into bungalows. Uh, but no, 2021, the Phoenix from the Flames. Well, actually, it's supposed to be back in 2020, but COVID uh, hosed it up, put pay to that one. Yeah. yeah. So and now and really, those are the two races that we now remember. Uh, 2021, 2022. Um I'd forgotten last year's race until I started going digging on this. So Max, you know, Pole won it, whatever. Uh, sorry, I mean, yeah, you go, Max. George and Charles uh, rounded out the podium, but good old Signs had an amazing day. Um, he came in for a pit stop. Do you remember this when his tires weren't ready? I do. And then they left, the, and they left the wheel gun in the pit lane, and Perez ran over the uh, over the uh, wheel gun. They got uh, penalised for that. Um, and he came in from being in. I don't know where he was, fourth or fifth, or really, really like being competitive, and he came out eleventh. And then later on, they got another unsafe release, and he had another five seconds, which ultimately destroyed. <laughs> I, I mean, Carlos this. had quite the day. I, now I do remember. This was also the Yuki one, right? Where he had like the oh, yes. yeah, the weird Yuki issue where he had he pulled over on track, loosened his seatbelt because he thought out. it was done, and they're like, "No, the car's okay." So he drives into the pits. 
they tighten up his seatbelts and send him out, and then he disa- the car's disabled on the outside of the track where it's harder to recover than it was the first time or the pits. And then virtual safety car comes out, and that gave uh, Max an easy or a, an easier pit stop in terms of not losing time, which meant he kept track re- uh, position over the Mercedes because Mercedes right. were really chasing him down. Yeah. And we had the really weird Yuki moment. I forgot um, that's when that happened. Yeah, and Toto was kind of like fuming afterwards, of kind of like not really calling it Crashgate, but you know. I mean, if you that, want to put your a... tinfoil hat on, that fits all the all the checks, all the boxes. One hundred percent. I mean, we thought it was. I remember uh, when we did our race review, it was just yeah. weird. It's like, no, the car's fine. Well, all we got to do is retighten your seatbelt because you took it off and you can go back out again. Okay, great. And then it literally, I think it was a lap later, they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> car's even, done." Just... I think he was leaving the pit lane and he was already slow. So oh, weird, man. that one. Um, but yeah, because we've only had those two years, it's one of the very few circuits on the calendar this year where we get some really weird, uh, oh, not weird, just unusual names in the repeat winner thing. So we always do the repeat winners, and we're normally talking about whether it's Hamilton or Vettel or people that we've heard from recent times that have got the most wins. But Zanvoort, repeat winners, top of the shot with four is Jim Clark. How many races on the calendar right now is like Jim, Jim still going to have? Jim Clark, not many. And I'm sure you think, well, it's obviously the more common ones next. Yeah, with three, it's uh, Stuart and Lauder. <laughs> the only and modern t- driver is Verstappen at two with a bunch of other people. Yeah, because he's the only one that's won the two since they've come back. So he can move up level. If he wins this weekend, he'll move up level with Stuart and Lauder. Uh, but I find that insane. Yeah, the, the other that alongside him with two are Rosia, Ascari, Brabham, Hunt, and Prost. I mean, you've got, like... So many winners of this race that are from yesteryear Blast just because of how it's past. fallen. Yeah, I actually think that's yeah. a bigger, in my mind, that's, and I have a couple Zandvoort notes here. I, I think that's a bigger note than nine tying Seb nine in a row. And I recognize the feat might be bigger. But to move up to the race winners, one below the great Jim Clark, tied with Jackie Stewart and Nikki Lauda. Yeah. Those are some bizarre names to be tied with for most wins at a track, like you said, because of that hiatus. So I think that would be pretty cool for Max to say, I am now tied with the greats, Jackie Stewart and Nicky Lauda for most second most wins at this track. But yeah. I mean, the constructors is a little bit more familiar because Ferrari have been around forever. So Ferrari lead the way with eight, but good old Lotus in there with six wins, McLaren with three, and then Red Bull via the two wins with Max uh, join Brabham, Matra and BRM. I mean, we don't read these names out. <laughs> It's fantastic. No, don't. I it love really turn three. Um, so for everyone's benefit, that's the banked corner. You know, as they go around the straight, they come around turn one. There's a little gentle two, which kind of leads you into the, it's almost like a carousel. Turn three, Hugen Holzbrocht, I think is the name of the corner. And I know I messed that up, JP. Take it easy. I on thought me. you just sneezed. Yes, but I love three. I love the banking there. I love drivers taking it at different heights and angles throughout the course of yes. the race and trying to figure yep. out what's best. And according to the Google machine, Zandvoort is a compound of Zand, which is sand, like I guessed, because I'm out there, and Vord, which is Ford or crossing. And oh. so it's to cross so it's not the a sand. sand. Castle. It's not Sandfort, which it really not should be. Not Fort, but Vord, oh. yeah, Sandvoort. Okay. Now. Um, anyhow, so yeah. Quick question for you. Fire okay. away. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I was... Um, massively wrong with my uh, sentimental recollection of the Hungarian Grand Prix. I always thought it had given us belters, and then everyone said it was uh, Monaco with uh, with walls, and it transpired it was an awful race. Zanvoort, in my head, I think we've had two good races. I agree. I... Okay, okay. 
I remember two good races as well. And like the chaos last year, Lewis was not far behind Max. And that whole Yuki thing happened and Ferrari exploded and whatever. But if Max does drive off into the distance, which I'm going out on a limb, but if he does, I still think we'll have a pretty good battle for second through 20th. I mean, I, I don't see why we wouldn't have good battles going on. You know, the Checo, Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren boys kind of in there in that next tier. And then, you know, maybe we'll see the Alpines um, and others kind of at the next tier. Hopefully someone... Depends how many people Alpine have sacked by the time the weekend exactly. comes around. If the drivers so. crash, into, crash into each other again. Um, and, you know, who comes around. But then you could see Williams or maybe it's a smaller track. Maybe Alfa Romeo may show up in that sort of midfield battle. Um, I'm excited, man. And, you know, then you'll watch the Haas and the Alfa Tauris and, and others battling. I, I'm excited. I think this will be... I'm yeah. not expecting a snooze fest, let me put it that way. As long as you can write off Max first and then enjoy the rest of it, then I think it'll be fine. Yeah, and this one is a short, um, one of the stats that, you know, shame on me, because I normally, one of the first things I read out is kind of how many laps we're going to do of this particular circuit. But this one's, I think, a high lap count. It's a short lap, isn't it? Yeah, uh, that feels right. It's like two, it's like two and a half kilometers. So I'm assuming there's a decent number of laps. So one of the stats that we, um, in terms of saying that the regulations seem to have worked in bunching the field up is, you know, we've had fewer uh, lapping events this year than we have had for quite a while. The, we're not getting like the entire field lapped, even with Max's dominance. And when he's driving off into the distance, he's not coming around and lapping the entire field. So, but with a short circuit, maybe there's a higher chance of that. Who knows what might happen? I, I don't wish Max ill. I think it's quite cool for him to win his home race and get the nine. But I'm also with you that if someone else was on... If someone else was hosting and stepping in and guest hosting the Max Verstappen podcast this week, I wouldn't be too upset. It would be uh, quite cool to have somebody else winning. I was way off. Circuit length 4.2 kilometers, but it does mean 72 laps. 72. Okay, yeah. Decent. So we were right on that. I messed up my last little part there. Yeah, I am looking forward to it. So, Rob, as we close, last thing of the pod before we get back to real life of races happening, who do you have on the podium? The way too early, unscientific podium podium prediction. Oh, okay. Let's come back with a silly one. Um, and let us say winner. I'm going to go right. Max, Max DNFs. Okay. We're going to throw <laughs> that out there. So there's a Max DNF for whatever reason. And oh, people that benefit this? this and come scooping in is it's going to be Lewis Lando George, British podium. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis Lando George. Lewis Lando George. All right. LLG. I, I'm gonna take one no, of no, those guys. No, no, you can guys. do it. Do it. Do it. Do a good one now. Yeah, here's the real one. Um, I feel like I'm playing a round of golf, shotgun or scramble or whatever the hell it is when you get to hit one ball, and if it's good, then everyone else goes to town. Well, we did the reverse. Um, I'm gonna say Max first, top step of the podium. I'm going out on a limb there, and then because the track is shorter and go-kart-like, if you will, to some extent. And it reminds me of Hungary. I'm going to put my Hungary hat back on, and I'm going to put Lando in second in that McLaren, which, you know, they shouldn't have, like, erased all of the upgrades that they had the last few races. So yep. I'm hoping that still exists. I know other teams so are winning So we, we both stuff. agree is Lando second. Lando, that's my, that's my shared guy. And then I'm going to think with my heart and not my head. And Charles Leclerc, third step of the podium. Ferrari, too small life jacket. Third step of the podium. You love him, you know him. 
Oh man, Rob, I'm so excited that we're back uh, for races. I'm so excited that everyone's with us listening across all the different platforms and radios and internet streaming radios. Thanks for listening this week. We look forward to catching up with you last week. Rob, close us out with any last thoughts, man. Uh, I, I, I have no thoughts because I'm too excited and I can't wait to do a Zanvolt review yeah. next week. <laughs> can't wait. Talk, take care, everybody. Talk to you soon.